Hello and welcome back to the SQ Sports Podcast. This is Q. It's going to be a little bit different this week. Uh, I'll be recording this by myself because Shane is a little bit busy and I wanted to get my thoughts out on a pretty hectic trade deadline. Um, there won't be any segments or anything this week. I just wanted to break down what I feel like has been the biggest news in the last uh, week and a half, basically. Um, and it was, there's a lot to talk about, so I wanted to just get my thoughts out there. Uh, so I'll start out with the lack of an Anthony Davis trade. Um, specifically to the Lakers, because I don't think any other team was really going all in on acquiring him before the deadline. Um, I thought it was a bit shocking last week on the podcast. We talked a lot about how we kind of thought it was a done deal, especially when they started throwing in two firsts, uh, offering to take back Solomon Hill, and just giving pretty much every single asset they had left in order to get Anthony Davis. But the Pelicans clearly were not interested in making a move, at least at this point. Um, maybe they didn't like the assets. Maybe they felt like they can get something better from Boston this summer or maybe another team, uh, maybe New York, should they land the number one pick. But it was clear that they just couldn't – they weren't, weren't able to get on the same page with uh, the Lakers. And we saw Magic Johnson was a little bit um, displeasured by that yesterday when he said that he didn't feel that they were negotiating in good faith, which maybe they weren't. I don't know. I wasn't there, clearly. But um, so the lack of a trade, I think – if you're a Celtics fan, you got to be happy because now you're going to have a shot this summer because you weren't able to trade for him before the deadline. But now, um, July 1st, you'll be right there. And you, I mean, they do have the best assets available to trade. Whether or not they'd be willing to give them all up for Anthony Davis, especially considering they, um, his camp has been pretty vocal about the Celtics not being on his preferred destination of teams when everybody thinks they should. So maybe, maybe he knows something that we don't about, um, about Kyrie Irving this summer. Cause I know they're they're pretty tight. Maybe he knows that he's leaving. Maybe he really just just doesn't want to be in Boston. I don't know. Uh, we will see. But I don't think it's going to stop uh, Danny Ainge from throwing everything at the Pelicans. And if they throw Tatum, I mean, it's going to be kind of for the Pelicans. It's be kind of hard to deny a package of Jason Tatum in it, uh, even with five young players. Well, now it would all be four because Zubac has gone from the Lakers. But it's basically either an offer of Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Ingram, and Josh Hart versus Tatum. I doubt they would do Tatum and Brown, but probably Tatum and Smart and then Salary Filler, which maybe is Hayward. Maybe he gets back to, yeah, gets back to form. Um, we'll see with the packages. I don't think – I saw a lot of Horford packages, but Horford is a player option. I feel like if he knows he was going to get traded to the Pelicans, he probably wouldn't opt in. But that's also a lot of money to leave on the table, so we'll see there. But um, So, yeah, if you're a Celtics fan, you got to be happy. Maybe not. Maybe not completely encouraged because he has said he doesn't want to be there, but they're clearly the front runners at least on July 1st. Obviously, there's a lot of time till then. A lot could change. The Lakers' young guys could ball out of their minds in the next three months, raise their trade value. Tatum might get hurt or something. Hopefully not. Um, so I think it's, it's going to be between those two teams. Um, with the Clippers and Knicks, I'd probably put the Knicks at third depending on where, they, where their draft pick is because after Porzingis trade, they have a boatload of picks. They still have Dennis Smith. Kevin Knox is still probably pretty highly rated. I mean, he's only 19 or 20. Maybe he's from 20, I'm not sure. Um, Trier, Mitchell Robinson. So they have a lot of moves, and they get the number one pick. I mean, I'm sure the Pelicans would be pretty inclined to do that, and the Knicks probably would too because he said um, his camp has made it clear that he would be willing to re-sign with New York. Um, for the Clippers, I'll get on them in a little bit. Um, after the Sixers trade, they have two more extra first-round picks. They have Shamit and... They already have uh, Shea Gillis-Alexander, who's been playing pretty well. 
They have Jerome Robinson, who hasn't played too much this year, but he, I mean, he's still a young, he's still a rookie. He's the 13th pick. Um, Montrose Harrell. They have a lot of interesting pieces, but probably not, at least right now, not a top tier prospect or asset. Maybe the Heat pick is, but in terms of playing, in terms of players, I don't think they have any top tier talent that would really entice the Pelicans. But he has said that he'd be willing to resign there. Um, so you never know. With the, I know the other team was the Bucks. I mean, it'd be kind of impossible for the Bucks to make a trade for AD until like next December because they're going to have to resign everyone this summer. Uh, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Bledsoe, uh, Brogdon, and they're already out a few picks. So I think it would be pretty tough to facilitate a trade there. But I mean, you never know. Um, the Thunder got Paul George somehow. So we will see about that. Um, for the rest of the season, the Pelicans, there's kind of a dispute between um, Anthony Davis and the team about whether he should play. I mean, it makes sense why the Pelicans wouldn't want to play him, but if the player wants to play, it's kind of doing a disservice to him not to let him play. Um, and he has played two games so far, but it's been, I mean, he was booed expectedly. So we will see what goes on there because that could get pretty ugly really fast. I mean, he's, He's on the team for three months, no matter what, or two months, because they're not going to make the playoffs. So, uh, moving on from that, that's really all I had to say about Anthony Davis, because there's not really much else to say, unless, I mean, if he gets injured, hopefully not. That would be catastrophic for the Pelicans. And if he helps them get a better pick, that would probably also be catastrophic. Not catastrophic, but that wouldn't be good. That's why I thought they were going to trade him, so they could get a better pick and they can get their assets back now. But clearly they weren't impressed by the offers that everyone else seemed to be impressed by. So, moving on to the blockbuster Sixers-Clippers trade. This came as a pretty big shock. I mean, I heard a few rumors about Tobias Harris potentially being moved. I didn't think it was a guarantee or anything because that's kind of a a risk for the Clippers. It's a risk for both teams. Um, For the Clippers, I'll say the trade first. The trade was Tobias Harris, Bobo Marjanovic, Mike Scott, in exchange for Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, the 2021 Miami Heat unprotected first-round pick, and a lottery-protected 2020 Philadelphia pick, um, as well as a bunch of seconds. So for the Clippers, um, Harris has been their best player for ever since, basically ever since he got there last year. He's really taken a step the last few seasons. He's become a knockdown shooter, able to create his own shot, good rebounder. Um, and I was a bit surprised. I mean, I knew there was a chance he would leave because they probably didn't want to pay him the max, which makes sense because he's probably he wouldn't be really be worth the max as a as a first option, I don't think he would have been willing. He would have been worthy of it. Um, so, but still, like, that's risking a lot. Maybe they have some intel that they're going to get Kevin Durant or Kyrie, um, or Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard or maybe even Jimmy Butler or one of the, what, nine or ten big free agents this summer. I know they have a lot planned for this summer, and Jerry West usually plans ahead. So I wouldn't, doubt, I wouldn't put it past them that they know what's going on this summer. But still, I, I, I'm kind of surprised that I, I figured they would have signed him this summer and then traded him, like, in that deadline next year or something. Or they just signed him to be the third guy because he'd be – I mean, he'd be a great third guy next to Kawhi. It seems like Kawhi Leonard's probably – if he's going to leave, it's probably for the Clippers, which would be pretty wild considering last year it seemed like he was, fix, he was fixated on the Lakers. So if he goes to the Clippers, I mean, that's a pretty big slap in the face to Magic Johnson. That means Jerry West just – he does unbelievable work with the Clippers. Um, so yeah, I was a bit surprised about that, but I think it was a, a win-win for both teams because for the Sixers, Harris fits the timeline. Um, he's only 26 years old. He's a great shooter. Seems like a very low ego guy. He doesn't worry about shots. He doesn't need the ball to be effective, but he can be effective with it, which is like what you always want out of a 
a first option, but he's for the Sixers, he's what the third or fourth. I get it. it's kind of a weird dynamic with them right now um, because all five starters, at least going into the trade, um, all five starters were averaging over 17 points a game. Simmons, I think Ben Simmons was at, right at 17 points. He's obviously dipped down now after the first two games. Um, obviously, those numbers aren't going to remain because there's just not enough shots to go around for everyone. But on some nights, Harris might be the fifth option behind Simmons and Redick. But then some nights he might be the second, right behind Embiid. Um, just because of the way the offense works, depending on the matchup. Um, but I think he's, he's a really good piece for them going forward. I think in, in the playoffs, he, he might be the guy that puts him over the top, helps them reach the East Conference Finals or even the Finals. When right before the trade, it was looking like, I mean, they had a shot to make the East Conference Finals, but it was looking more likely that they were going to reach the second round and lose to either uh, Milwaukee or Toronto or Boston. Or maybe even eh, – probably not Indiana, but, you know, I mean, it's not out of the question before the Old Depot injury. But now I think well, their starting five is about as good as it gets, at least in the East. Obviously, the, I mean, the Warriors are on a different level than everyone else. But Simmons, Redick, Butler, Harris, and Bede, that's quite, that's quite a lineup. With good spacing, enough shot creation, enough playmaking, and enough just size. Like, I mean, the shortest guy is Redick, 6'4", but he, the way he drags out defenses, it's like there's always a mismatch inside the paint, no matter what. Um, so I think that was a good move. Uh, Boban, obviously him and Tobias are like best friends. So that's good for the, at least good for the locker room culture, which seemed to be get, seemed to be getting a little, not bad or toxic or anything, just a little like subdued compared to last year. Last year, there was a really tight group, which I mean, it could have been seen after they traded Covington and Sarge because those two seemed like big locker room guys as well as good on-court talents. But I think Harris has seen through two games. I mean, he seemed the chemistry, there seems to be no issue. There was a bit of an adjustment period with Butler when he got traded, but I think with Harris, I mean, he's scoring 18 a game so far. He shot the ball well from three. He made clutch shots against Denver. He had 14 in the first quarter against the Lakers. I mean, I don't think there's been as, as tough an adjustment, probably mostly because of his shooting. But, and his defense has been pretty good too. He's been able to switch on the perimeter. He's big enough inside that he doesn't get completely dominated. Unless, I mean, obviously, unless it's like a, just a big center like Jokic or something. Even against Jokic, I thought he did pretty well. But um, for the other pieces, Marjanovic will help the Sixers. Obviously, he can only play about 10 to 12 minutes a game just because his stamina isn't there. Um, so I would have liked to see them get another big man. I mean, Jonah Bolden has been good, but he's a rookie. I wouldn't really rely on him. Uh, he still has a lot to learn, especially in terms of his discipline on defense. But one of the biggest problems with the Sixers was that running Muscala at the five just wasn't cutting it. He's just not big enough. Uh, every once in a while, we get a weak side block, but having Boban, who's massive, um, will really help just get, one, get easy buckets down low because they've really struggled with that when Embiid's not in, as, as well as just somebody who can block shots at the rim because Muscala wasn't doing it. Amir Johnson can't do it anymore. And it's, it's just whenever Embiid came out, it was like, man, they're just getting killed every single time. And obviously, Boban really can't defend the pick and roll that well just because he's so slow. But when he's, just, when he's facing a center that can't really shoot, I mean, he's, he's pretty effective. He's very efficient offensively. He's shooting 61% from the field. Um, his true shooting is um, 66%, which is wild. So, yeah, he's been very – I think he'll be very effective. Mike Scott, I think, will – I mean, he'll basically give you what Wilson Chandler was supposed to give you before the season, just a solid 3-4 off the bench. You can shoot, play some defense. Chandler, I think this year he's getting a lot of hate from Sixers fans because I think he was just – after the um, Butler trade, he was just thrusted into a pretty big role that he probably shouldn't be playing at this point in his career. But I thought he was – I had no issue with Wilson Chandler. I thought he was fine. He made smart plays. He could shoot, and he played I mean, competent defense. But I think Mike Scott will basically give you the same thing. 
as that. Now for the outgoing, um, Shamit, I mean, that would be a loss. Shamit is very good. He's been balling as a rookie, shooting over 40% from three. Isn't afraid to take tough shots. He's clearly learned a lot from Redick off the bench because, I mean, out of college, he was a point guard, handled the ball a lot. This year, he's more of a spot-up role, although recently he has been getting the ball a little bit more um, as a pick-and-roll handler, which he's shown that he can, he can, do, he can do some things with that. Um, so I think that was a pretty good get for the Clippers. I mean, pairing him up with Shea Gilgis, Alexander, um, as the backcourt, I think long-term, that could be really solid. Um, so I th- I, that, that hurts losing his shooting off the bench, and they haven't really replaced it yet. Um, I was hoping they could with Wayne Ellington, but he signed with Detroit. And there aren't that many other buyout candidates who are knockdown shooters as guards, uh, especially now. Lynn's not a knockdown shooter, but he would have been fine off the bench, but he's headed to Toronto. So, yeah, that's a good get for the Clippers. Uh, Chandler Muscala, I mean, it doesn't really matter for the Clippers. They're expiring. I mean, Muscala's already gone. And Chandler, I mean, it'll help them this year. They're not really trying to make the playoffs, probably. Um, it's looking like they want to keep their pick, and that was probably part of the motivation to trade Harris because their pick is lottery protected to Boston. So the picks, um, the 2021 Heat pick has been – It's pre, it could be very valuable. It's not the, not the double draft anymore. The double draft looking like it's 2022, the draft where high school prospects are allowed in. Um, so it might not have as much value as it did on, say, draft night when the Sixers traded back for it, but I think it still could be a pretty good pick in 2021. Um, with the Heat, I mean, there's always a chance that the Heat just flat out re- refuse a tank. And this year, I mean, they're floating around 500. I mean, they still have some, uh, still have some nice young pieces. Winslow, uh, Josh Richardson, Bam Adebayo. And by then, the money should be – all the bad money should be coming out the books other than, I think, Olenek and Waiters. But in 2020, those will all be expiring contracts, so it shouldn't be too hard to get off them. None of them are that expensive. It's more just a length that everybody was kind of freaking out. I don't know why. People were just confused why they were giving all these guys four-year deals in the uh, summer of 2017 with Waiters and Olenek and uh, James Johnson. So, I, there, I mean, there's a decent chance they could be pretty competitive in 2021, but there's also a chance it just blows up and all the bad contracts, nobody wants to take them. They just have a bad team and it's top five pick, which would be great for the Clippers. But uh, I'm not too upset about trading that pick. I'm not as upset now as I would have been in, on draft night, basically. Um, and the 2020 first round pick, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's, it's good. It's good to convey. I mean, uh, the only way it doesn't convey is if probably if Embiid gets hurt next year, which I guess isn't completely out of the question because it's lottery protected. But even then, I think the Sixers still have enough talent to make the playoffs. If they don't, that, that's not a good sign. And a bunch of second round picks. The Sixers already recoup, recoup the number of second round picks. Um, and they got a 2020 first back from Oklahoma City in the Marco Fultz trade, which we'll talk about later. So overall, it's, it's really just Shamit and the Heat pick as the main pieces in that trade, which is a pretty good return for a guy you weren't planning on re-signing, Tobias Harris. So um, so overall in that trade, I think it was a win-win for both teams, long-term and short-term. Um, Going to miss Shamit, but I'm very happy with Harris, especially through two games. Uh, they've looked, the offense has looked very good through two games. Redick has played very well with the extra sp- He already had a lot of space, but now with even more spacing, I mean, it just looks deadly. Um, Simmons is taking a little bit to adjust to his role which he did with Butler too. I think in the first Butler trade, after the, after the Butler trade, the first two games, I think he had under 10 points in the first game and the second game, he only had 12. Um, so I think he'll figure it out. Butler has looked pretty good through two games. He's looked better than he has. Um, he's been getting to, he's been really attacking well, and he was kind of settling for a lot of mid-range jumpers uh, in his first few months as a sixer. 
he was still trying to figure out. I mean, I, I wish he would take more threes because he's shown that he can make them. I mean, he's shooting above, slightly above league, ad, league average from three, and he's able to hit tough threes. We've already seen the two game winners he's hit uh, versus Kings last week. He was knocking, I think he went four of six from three in the fourth to try to take him back into the game. I mean, he got him back into the game. They just lost at the end. Um, so I wish he would take more threes. I think he's pretty good at it. I mean, his form looks really good. He's a great free throw shooter. I don't, I don't know why he wouldn't want to take more threes, but they haven't run a lot more pick and roll with him. Uh, we've seen, seen his playmaking abilities, which have always been really underrated. I mean, he was, he was always like a, like a 25, five and five guy with, with the bulls. And he showed it last year too. And he carried the Timberwolves, um, to the playoffs. So I wish they would have ran him a little bit more as the lead ball handler. And I think they're going to start doing that, um, as they, as they try different lineups out. And on the bench, um, I might as well talk about the Sixers bench just because I'm a Sixers fan, so I know all the, the pieces that they got. So they got James Ennis from Houston for a second-round pick swap in 2021. I mean, when you can get a guy for nothing, that always helps. He's a solid enough shooter, can, hustles on defense. He's better than Maz was. So uh, that's a pretty solid pickup. Um, Jonathan Simmons from the Fultz trade, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, he's had a down year, but he was very good for the Spurs a few years ago. He's still very athletic. Uh, they'll play defense. If he can just shoot and just slightly below average other than the 29% I think he's been at this year, um, he'll be effective off the bench because they've really needed some defense for a few months ever since the Butler trade. They've ever, ever since losing Covington, they've really needed that defensive depth. So he should help. Um, and not having to play Muscala a lot. I don't hate Muscala or anything, but he was, he was not great this year after the first 20 games of the season. Um, he's kind of fallen off, and I mean, we've already seen him get traded again. So, um, so it should be good. The depth issues should go away, but we will see. I wouldn't say that the favorites or anything. Um, as I talk about more of the Eastern Conference trades, I will talk about what I see happening in the playoffs, um, who I think is a favorite to come out, who I think might sneak in at the five through eight seeds. Actually, probably six through eight. I think the Pacers will be in the top five just because they've already had such a great start, and they've kind of figured out how to play without Oladipo. So the race for six through eight should be pretty interesting, especially considering the matchups they're going to have uh, in the playoffs. So the next trade that I want to talk about is Marcus Sol was finally traded after almost being traded to the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, apparently it was at the one yard line, but they just couldn't, they couldn't agree to it, uh, which kind of a shock, but the Hornets are whatever's going on with the Hornets. I don't know. I feel bad for Kemba because they're not, they're not putting around the right team for him and they're pretty capped out. I think Gasol would have helped a lot. But Marcus Sewell was traded to Toronto for Jonas Valachunas, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and 2024 second-round pick. So, I mean, that's a bargain for a guy who's still talented enough, I think, to be maybe not an all-star, but fringe all-star level. Um, at the beginning of the season when Memphis was really winning, he was looking great. Um, he was looking engaged. His defense was back to where it was. He's still, I mean, he's probably taking a step back from where he used to be. Um, his last like two or three years ago, but he's still a very, he was still a very effective player. But then once Memphis started losing, it seemed like he got really disengaged and it was kind of, it kind of just, now he just kind of fell off and his efficiency went down. He, he clearly wasn't happy with all the losing. Um, I think the last, the last year and a half had really taken a toll on him, at least in terms of his competitive spirit. But now that he's on Toronto, I mean, Toronto's the two seed still battling for the one seed. So I think that would be a pretty good fit. I think – I don't know. I know they're playing right now. Um, I'm not sure if he started the first game. He did not start the first game with this uh, Raptors. He played 18 minutes off the bench. Scored seven points and six rebounds. Um, 
So clearly there, it's going to be a little bit of adjustment because they have a lot of good bigs. They have Ibaka, who's playing very well this year. They have Siakam, who's taken a huge leap on both ends of the ball. He's a very, very good power forward. So I don't know, I'm not sure if they're going to start him going forward. I will probably depend on the matchup. But I think just having that passing and shooting from the big man spot, because Ibaka has been has struggled from three this year, and Siakam's still pretty, still pretty inconsistent from three. Although he has shown the ability to hit them occasionally, but uh, Marcus Stoll is able to hit them. He's a very good passer at the high post. He's another great rebounder, um, and he's still a pretty good positional defender. I mean, he's not going to switch out on the perimeter or anything, but he's still solid, especially on the interior. Especially when they have to go against a guy like Horford or Embiid uh, in the playoffs, or maybe even Giannis. I mean, he'll he'll nobody's stopping Giannis at, or Embiid at the rim, but he'll you know he'll throw him off a little bit, which is good for the Raptors because they really need that. Um, for the Grizzlies, I thought it was an okay return, I guess. I mean, not great. They probably should have traded him. I thought they should have traded him last year, um, right when Conley got hurt for the season. I was like. They're not going to make the playoffs. They might as well. I mean, they got the fourth pick anyway, but maybe they could have snagged like the, the Cavs pick or the, the Brooklyn pick last year from the Cavs when the Cavs still seem to be all in because um, they really needed a center at that point. But they held on to him, and they were pretty bad the whole year. They were awful. Only won 22 games. So clearly his value is on its highest, but with his player option coming up, and I feel like he just – he probably told them, like, I just – I need to be traded because it's not – I still like he probably still thinks he has something to give, which he does. Um, so I think I think it was an okay return. Valanciunas is pretty good. He's been hurt this year, but he'll, I mean he's always been effective offensively. He's not a great shooter or anything, but um, I mean he'll give you 15 and 10 this year. He's averaging 13 and 8 in a uh, decreased role given the abundance of big men with the Raptors. But I mean he's a good young center. He can score the ball. They really need it. Um, Delon Wright was really good last year for Toronto, uh, especially part of that big bench unit as a combo guard. But this year he's kind of struggled a little bit. He's only shooting 32% from three on the year, only averaging six, 6.9 points. Um, I mean, he's still, he's still got some potential. I think he could be a pretty good backup for Mike Conley because they never really had a great backup point guard. Um, that, I mean, they might be trading Conley this summer, but at least for now, if they plan on keeping Conley, I think Delon Wright's a good point guard. We can take the reins from Conley when he leaves. He's only 26. I think he was solid. And CJ Miles is just filler. Uh, I was kind of surprised they couldn't get <clears throat> couldn't get a a pick closer in the future. Um, I, I mean, they probably weren't going to get a first for him. Maybe from Charlotte, they would have gotten like a heavily protected first. But still, I thought it was a bit underwhelming. But I mean, it's okay. I guess. I mean, it's better than nothing. I don't know if he was going to opt out, but um, we will see about that. So for the Raptors, I think just a great trade. They definitely saw what the Sixers did, and were like, "We need another. We need to make a move because um, they haven't they haven't been playing poorly or anything, but they haven't been as good as they were at the beginning of the season. A lot of that's due to Lowry's been in a slump. Kawhi Leonard's taking some days off, um, which makes sense because he had a pretty big injury last year. But um, it's I mean they saw that they didn't want to be complacent, which is good. So the Milwaukee Bucks traded for Nikola Mirotic from the New Orleans Pelicans in a three-team trade with a lot of pieces going around. Um, Don Maker was headed to Detroit. Stanley Johnson is headed to New Orleans as well as four second-round picks. And the Bucks will get Miritich, who will be their um, primary bench scorer, which I think is a really good move because clearly their offense this year has been predicated around threes, especially around Giannis with Coach Bud. 
Um, and it's worked. I mean, they had the best record in the NBA. Their offense is amazing. Everyone's buying in. It seems like after last year, there's a bit of malaise around the team, especially with Bledsoe in the playoffs because he wasn't good in the playoffs. Um, but Giannis, Middleton, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Brook Lopez are all buying in. The offense just looks beautiful. Everyone's in sync. It's just really good. I think Miritich is only going to help that. I mean, he's better than Ilyasova at this point. Um, he showed last year that when he's in gate in the playoffs last year um, against Portland, he was excellent on both ends, which a lot of people didn't see coming. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of, a, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty big shock considering for years, everybody was saying, Oh, he's such a poor defender. That's why the bulls kind of failed to take that leap around him and Butler because defensively he was just getting killed. But then I don't know, I don't know what it was, but him and Davis were just wrecking havoc on that end of the ball against Portland. And I think if he can just play somewhat up to that for the bottom, the bucks have a really good defense too, as well as their offense. If he can just be solid on defense and knock down his threes on offense, he's going to be a great piece. Um, he's actually struggled this – he didn't struggle this year. Um, he struggled with injuries, which could be kind of concerning, but they didn't really give anything up for him, so it's not like it's a huge risk or anything for the Bucks. But if he works out, I mean, that team has just got even more lethal, especially on offense. So um, one of the – not sadder stories, just a weird storyline for two years has been Markel Fultz. Um, the number one pick in 2017 Sixers traded two picks to get him, including what the pick that became Jason Tatum and Kings pick this year, which I guess won't be that great of a pick, but still, um, just a very weird, very weird situation. Nobody really knows what's going on. If it's, I mean, it probably is mental a little bit, but he's diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome, um, in his shoulder slash neck. It's just never really worked out, and I think as soon as the Harris, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> as soon as the Harris trade went down, it was kind of obvious that they didn't really have the time to wait for Fultz anymore, and it was pretty clear he was getting traded um, by the trade deadline. It happened right before the trade deadline, just five minutes before. Uh, Woj tweeted that he was going to the Magic. So the trade is Markel Fultz in exchange for Jonathan Simmons, who I mentioned earlier, the Oklahoma City 2020 first-round pick that is top 20 protected, and. Um, what's going to be the Cavs' second-round pick this year, which is a pretty high second-round pick, probably around 31 to 33. Um, it was, I mean, it's a little disappointing what's going on with Foles, but I think getting a first-round pick of any kind for him is pretty solid and somebody who could hopefully contribute in Simmons and a pretty decent second-round pick. Um, not only does he – they don't have the time to wait for him on the court, he makes a lot of money, especially even though he's on his rookie deal. I mean, he makes – 10 million and he has a player option for, or a team option for 12 million in 2020-21 uh, which will be interesting to see if Orlando picks that up because if he doesn't play this year I mean they're not going to have much time to make a decision on that they're only going to have this summer um, whether or not he plays in the summer league we'll see but for the Sixer I think just getting whatever you can for him at this point is good um, it's kind of sad because if he really if he would have panned out he would have been the, the perfect fit next to Simmons and Embiid and he seemed to put in a lot of – I mean, he, on the court, he always showed effort, which is good because he could have just sulked the whole time. And the summer, he put in a lot – I mean, he's putting in a lot of hours this summer when he maybe was hurt and he didn't know it um, with TOS. So I do feel bad for him a little bit, but I think it's a pretty good position for him. Um, it's a pretty good landing spot because Orlando, one, they really need a point guard. Uh, they've been looking for a point guard, but they continue to draft these long centers who aren't – who are theoretical shooters like Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba. Um, and they, I mean, I thought they were going to sign maybe Isaiah Thomas this summer or, I mean, DJ Augustine's been fine for them, but he's clearly not the long-term option. 
So I think Fultz, if who we give him time, um, they're not they're not going to rush him into playing this year or anything. They're not competing. Probably not even next. Maybe next year they'll compete for a playoff spot, but they're not all in on competing. So I think I think it'll be good because it's a low pressure situation. Um, not many people are really paying attention to the Magic, which I think will be good for Fultz because after last year everybody started paying attention to the Sixers. Um, so I think, I mean, if he, pay, if he can just become a competent shooter, that the defense of that core is really good with Fultz. I guess Aaron Gordon would still be considered part of the young core. Uh, Fultz, Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, and Mo Bamba. I mean, Fultz is a 6'10 wingspan. Bamba has a 7'10 wingspan. Isaacs, I, I believe, is above um, 7 feet as well. And Aaron Gordon is huge. So the, defensively, that core could be insane. But we will see about if they can all develop offensively. I mean, yeah, Jonathan Isaac's a seven foot one wingspan. So we'll see if they can all develop develop on offense. But I think defensively, that's just going to be really good. Both playmaking will really help. His playmaking's gone under the radar. He didn't turn the ball over at all this year. He's only turned. I mean, he's playing twenty three minutes. He only had one point three turnovers a game. Um, obviously, he wasn't the lead ball handler next to Simmons. But I mean, he did have he did run the offense a fair amount and. I think I think I think I think it's just a good spot for him. Um, obviously, it's sad, but I think I th- I'm I'm not completely out on. I was completely out on him as a sixer. I just I don't think I'm out on him as a player though because he's shown in little in the little he's only played 33 games in the little time that he's played. He has shown a lot of potential. Um, he's a good rebounder for his size, but not for his size for his position. Um, he's very he's more athletic than I think a lot of people gave him credit coming out of the draft because I feel like a lot of people were so fixated on his skills. That they weren't really paying attention to how athletic he was. Um, he can jump, man. I mean, he's fast and he's super long. And he, I, he, I mean, he makes a lot of hustle plays, which is good to see from a young guy. He really picked it up on defense as the year went on, at least this year. Um, at the beginning of the season, he was getting lost, but after a while, he was able to switch pretty well. He can stay in front of guys, even if he's not great at like defensive assignments and everything. Just staying in front of the ball handler, which is something that the Sixers really needed from him, and he was doing that. And they've kind of missed that. That's probably the only thing they've really missed from him this year. Um. And he has, a, he has a good work ethic, even if it hasn't panned out uh, this year. He is dedicated. I mean, I do think he's dedicated to figuring it out. Um, but the whole situation is very weird. His camp, um, the situation with his mom and the trainer, and just a lot of, like, the, the cameras that were hidden in his house, apparently. It's just a very weird, very, very weird situation. Um, so I'm kind of happy that, as a fan, I don't have to really deal with it anymore. But I do hope. Uh, Fultz the best because he was one of my favorite prospects in a long time. Um, so that's enough about the trade deadline. Um, there weren't anything else to talk about the trade deadline. Um, I thought the Rockets, the Rockets Cavs trade was pretty good for all teams involved. John, uh, Alec Burks will help the Kings push for the playoffs as a backup three. Um, the Cavs got another first round pick, which is good because they were kind of devoid of assets before LeBron left. But I think they've done a good job swinging all those expirings and veterans into picks a lot of second round picks two first round picks um, which is good and for the Rockets Shumpert has been solid this year better than he was a lot the last few years um, he was pretty good for the Kings I mean he was he was making plays he was shooting well from three that 36 percent from three um, super athletic still even after the all the injuries and the supposed lack of worth work ethic at least after the Cavs won the finals um, so I think it was a good trade for all teams. I still think it's not that like that big of an upgrade for the Rockets, at least on um compared to Ennis. I mean, maybe it will be, but they already have Austin Rivers. They have a lot of uh, people who can handle the ball. 
So we'll see if Shumper could fit. I mean, he's only played one game so far. He only had three points, and he shot one of five from three. So it's a little too early to tell on that one. But um, for another Kings trade, they traded uh, Josh Jackson and Zach Randolph for Harrison Barnes and the Mavericks. That was kind of surprising. I was a bit surprised about Harrison. They already kind of gave up on Harrison Barnes. Not gave up because he's still a pretty solid player. It's just he doesn't really fit the timeline. He's already 26. Um, and with Luca handling the ball a lot, they don't really need a guy who's so ball dominant because he hasn't really been the off-ball player that he was with the Warriors, and he was so effective. Other than the year that they lost the finals, he was so effective. But um, I think he's a good pickup because they really needed a three pretty badly. I mean, Bogdanovich can play the three, but he's more of a two. Heald is a two. Bagley can't play the three. Uh, Justin Jackson has shown a little bit of improvement, but he's, I mean, I don't think he's a long-term answer. So I think Harrison Barnes, he has a pretty interesting player option coming up. I'm not really sure if he turns it down or not. I'll be, I'll be interested to see about that. But I think he'll just provide solid scoring, good enough defense, um, good shooting for Fox. And they already have a lot of shooting. I mean, he was playing out of his mind. Who would have thought the Kings would be buyers at the deadline, right? Um, so, yeah, that's a pretty interesting trade. Oh, uh, Otto Porter in exchange for Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis. That was an interesting trade. I'm kind of – I'm not sure about this trade for both teams. Um, Otto Porter has kind of underwhelmed a little bit this year. He hasn't shot as well from three as he has the last two years. But, I mean, he's still at 38%, which is good. And his defense has kind of fallen off a little bit. His scoring overall has fallen off a little bit. But I think – I mean, I feel like the Wizards would love to keep him, but they, that contract is just, just rough for a guy that's not really a star level. He's just a prototypical 3 and D guy who can have every once in a while, you know, score – off the dribble and stuff, but mostly just catch and shoot guy on offense. Um, for the Bulls, I don't know. I mean, I guess I understand he's only 25, so he's still young. He's about the same age as Chris Dunn. But do they really want to be tying up that cap space to Otto Porter? I mean, they could be using that cap space to get picks in exchange for bad contracts or, you know, signing or shift to free agent this summer to a big deal. But, you know, I guess I guess he could help. Because they do need some defense, because that defense is rough uh, with Levine and Markkinen and Wendell Carter's now out for the year. Chris Dunn hasn't really been great this year. So, I mean, I, I guess you could see that as kind of like them signing him just a two-year deal this summer because um, they probably know they're not getting the big name in the next few years. So, I guess I kind of understand it for them, but it doesn't really, doesn't really move the needle for me, at least. Uh, for Washington, Portis and Jabari Parker, I mean, both are expiring the summer. I guess Parker could they have a team option for twenty million. I don't think they're gonna pay him that. So but he's I mean he could be good. Maybe they see something they like and they extend him longer for less money. Uh Portis has been I've always liked Bobby Portis, but he's never really put it together all the way. I mean he's shown flashes of just being a, a beast offensively though. I mean he's shooting thirty eight percent from three this year. Um he's been hurt. But you know I think if he can lock in defensively he could be really good because he's a really good rebounder for his size. I mean he's only he's six eleven. I thought he was a little bit shorter than that. But he's a really good rebounder. He can shoot. And he has a lot of grit, which I know is like a, a buzzword. But, I mean, he can he can play. He can play. So, that's decent. Parker has shown that he's still an awful defender. But at least offensively, he might be good next to, I guess, not John Wall anymore. Because um, he's going to be out probably throughout most of next year, as well as all of this year. But next to Beal, I think he could run some interesting stuff with him. And he's still very young. I mean, it kind of sucks he got hurt so much. 
because he's so bad at defense. But he did say they don't pay people to play defense. So I guess it's kind of come back and stays. <clears throat> but so moving on, are there any other trades that I think are really worthy of talking about? Mm, not really. I was kind of surprised Conley wasn't traded. I thought, um, but I think actually it'll probably make more sense to trade him at the draft. I think he could definitely be had for like the ninth or 10th pick, depending on who has that pick. I know Detroit wanted him, but they wanted to trade Reggie Jackson for him. And it was probably going to be, it was probably going to cost a pick to get Conley and then cost a pick to take on Reggie Jackson. So I don't think they're going to be in position to throw two firsts for an aging point guard after they already traded a first for a first and a very good young player for Blake Griffin last year. Um, so yeah, we will see on that front, but with the Grizzlies, I mean, their picks top eight protected. I think right now they're, it's good. It's like a toss up on whether or not they keep that pick or not, because Conley can still will them to some wins because when Con, when Gasol sat and Conley played, they were still competent. When Gasol played and Conley sat last year, they were awful. So clearly Conley was the, the main cog of that team. So moving on, um, the only thing else I really want to touch on is the drama surrounding the Celtics. Um, they've blown their last two games against the Lakers and Clippers. They blew an 18-point halftime lead to the Lakers, and they blew a 28-point lead to the Clippers, both at home. Um, the Clippers that wind up, wound up winning by 11, so that's a 39-point swing. Shamit balled out. It's my guy. Um, I'm still not really worried about the Celtics just because, I mean, last year they kind of went through a, a weird phase where their offense was awful. and um, then Kyrie got hurt and everybody counted them out. And then we saw what they did in the playoffs, the young guys, but it seems like this year it's just with a lot. I mean, I think, I feel like something's going on with Kyrie. I mean, I know obviously we saw Kyrie Irving's comments about he doesn't know anybody, anything, and he was going to make the decision that is best for him and his family. When the beginning of the season, he told a crowd of like 20,000, not 20,000, like 5,000 Celtics fans that he's going to resign. Um, so maybe something changed on that front, and they the, the locker room knows it, and it's just affecting their play. But um, maybe they know that I – mean, obviously, they've heard the rumors, the trade rumors for Anthony Davis. Maybe the young guys know that. Um, maybe – I mean, there are a lot of contract year guys. Horford's probably playing for another contract, at least depending on what he does with this player option. Marcus Morris has – he's cooled down a lot, but he's playing for a contract. Um, so it just seems like it's just a weird vibe in that locker room. Um, and as good as Brad Stevens is on the court, because he's probably – he's easily top three coach in terms of X's and O's. Um, it's always – I mean, it's been questioned about how good he is at just managing egos, especially with Hayward's disappointing year. Um, he's really struggled to get back to form. He played pretty well against the Clippers, but um, he just hasn't looked assertive at all, and they probably were counting on that. And Horford's taking a bit of a step back. He's picked it up lately. Kyrie Irving has been great. Um, Jalen Brown has kind of struggled. Tatum hasn't taken the step people probably thought he would, but he's still been good. I mean, people just like to hate on the Celtics. But Tatum's really good. Um, he rubs in my face every time because every time he plays the Sixers, he kills them. And, I mean, he's still he's 20 years old. Like People need to relax about him. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens because a lot of their picks aren't really pan- – not the – the picks that they make, the picks that they have in the future, a lot of them aren't really shaping up to be as high as they probably thought. They probably thought the Kings pick would be top five this year. And it's, I mean, there's a chance it's, I mean, if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be 14, but there's a chance it's like the 19th pick, depending on the East, uh, the bad teams in the East, or the bad playoff teams in the East, at least. 
the Grizzlies pick this year probably won't convey. After the uh, after the Harris trade, that pick probably won't convey uh, this year because it's lottery protected. So a lot of their assets just seem to be kind of diminishing. And with Jalen Brown headed for an extension next year, and he's kind of stagnated this year, he's probably played a little bit worse this year than he has last year, especially his playoff performance. Maybe their assets aren't as highly valued as they thought they were in summer. I mean, they, I remember they didn't want to trade Brown for Kawhi Leonard or Jim Butler or um, who's the other guy that was traded? I forgot who's the other one that was traded. But um, and now, I mean, that they, they would they wouldn't need to pay to get him off him or anything. But uh, and Rozier is expiring as well. Uh, I don't know if they're going to retain him because he's probably going to want a lot of money. And now they have Smart, who's on a really good contract as a backup combo guard. Uh, with Rozier, who's underperformed this year, at least, especially when he's off the, when he starts and the, the game that he started, he's played very well. But then, just like the playoffs last year, when he starts, he's great. And when he comes to the bench, it's just, just not, he just can't really get a groove going. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not a, they were probably the favorite to make the finals going into the season. I mean, they were one game out last year. They added Kyrie, essentially added Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back. They have so much depth. So I'm still not counting them out. But, um, I mean, it's just it's just a weird vibe right now. The fifth seed, I mean, nobody was going to want to play him in the first round. So, um, I don't know. It's just I don't really know what to say about it. It's just like a weird, it's a weird situation. I really expected them to win like sixty-five games. I was really high on them. Uh, we saw the Bill Simmons video of him saying they're going to win sixty-seven and blowing out teams by thirty a lot, which I'm glad that's going back in his face. Even though I probably kind of I kind of thought the same thing. Um. But I mean, as a Sixers fan, I can't say I'm not enjoying it. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk trash because they kill the Sixers every time, and they killed them in the playoffs without their two best players, at least the two most talented players. Um, so that's pretty much gonna do it. Um, it was a pretty eventful week. I don't think there's gonna be a podcast next week because the All Star break is coming up this weekend. Um, there's probably not gonna unless a, a breaking news happens or something, but I don't think so. There's not gonna be basketball for like nine days. So I will probably see you guys in a few weeks. Um, I appreciate you listening while I'm doing something different. Uh, We should have both of us back on next time I'm recording. So, all right. uh, That's pretty much going to do it. I appreciate it. And go check out – I wrote an article talking about the trade deadline. So go check that out on susports.wordpress.com. All right. I'm out.